Welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 144. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we will see the further implosion of mankind in Genesis chapter 4, the story of Cain and Abel. So unless you're driving, please turn to Genesis chapter 4. In preparation for that, though, um, I want to emphasize again uh, regarding chapters 1 through 3, and this applies really to the rest of Scripture, there's a book that you need to have that explains uh, the different literary forms of the Bible and uh, how one can read the Bible without being too literalistic, and yet it has the same uh, ultimate message for us. That book, write it down, is Hard Sayings. The author is Trent Horn, and the publisher is Catholic Answers. So you could go to catholic.com and order this book. It is, in my opinion, a must for understanding the Bible and uh, what the authors meant to convey and the ways that they conveyed them. Okay, on to chapter four. We're introduced to Cain and Abel. Uh, it says in verse one, the man had relations with his wife Eve and she conceived and bore Cain. That's the bad one, right? Saying, I produced a man with the help of the Lord. Uh, Cain, by the way, is a Hebrew name, meaning I have produced. Okay. Uh, next, she bore his brother Abel. Abel became a keeper of flocks and Cain a tiller of the soil. No problem so far. In the course of time, Cain, now this is the bad one, brought an offering to the Lord from the fruit of the soil. So Cain, he's the bad one. He's religious. He brings an offering to the Lord. Okay. So he's not all bad, right? He's recognizing that God is, uh, you know, the worthy of bringing an offering to. Okay. Uh but in the course of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord from the fruit of the soil, while Abel, for his part, brought one of the best firstlings of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not. So let's analyze this for a minute. Let's stop. So what's their, they're both religious. They both bring an offering to the Lord. So the question is not that, you know, one is a non-believer and the other is, is, uh, is, is a believer. Uh, they're, both, they're both believers. Well, um, we can see, for one thing, that Abel brought, it says he brought one of the best firstlings of his flock. So what would be the message for us today? We are to bring our best to God. 
do your best. Do your best to be a good neighbor. Do your best to get the word of Christ coming for our salvation out to others. Give of your first fruits, be there, be they your time, your talent, your treasure, etc. So for all we know, maybe Cain just brought, you know, some kind of leftovers, some, you know, fruit that was about to rot. We don't know. The text doesn't really tell us that. But uh, clearly, God is happy with Abel. But does does God, you know, just punish uh, Cain right away? No. He gives him a second chance. Read on. Just like he gives all of us a second chance to improve. Uh, the, it says, uh, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not. Okay, Cain greatly resented this and was crestfallen. Um, so, um, anyway, so the Lord said to, verse 6, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you so resentful and crestfallen? If you do well, you can hold up your head. But if not, remember, sin is a demon lurking at the door. His urge is towards you, yet you can be his master. So God is saying, well, you know, that rotten fruit or whatever it is that you brought that was, you know, not the best that you could do. Um, don't worry about it because next time you bring a sacrifice, you can, you can do better. God is always trying to teach us. He's always encouraging us to do better, right? We know we can do better. All of us can can do better. So, you know, I don't know how you learned this story when you were a kid. Maybe you heard that God instantly uh, uh, punished uh, Cain, but that is certainly not the case. He's urging him, hey, you know, you're my friend. You can do better next time. And God expects all of us to work towards uh, a, an improving our relationship with him. Not giving him our fruit that's about to go bad, but uh, giving him our best. So that is a, a timeless truth for us. So thus far, God isn't mad. He's just saying, well, I think you can do a little better. Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go out in the field. When they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So that is in verse 8. So Cain kills Abel out of envy. Now, envy is one of the seven deadly sins. You might want to write that in your margins. Envy, one of the seven deadly sins. Now, jealousy seeks something that another person has, but envy resents the other person having the something, okay? So jealousy can be good or bad. If if by jealousy you mean, hey, I think I want to, you know, uh, you know, I want to get something that I don't have currently. In this case, jealousy, if it were jealousy alone, could have motivated Cain to bring a, a better offering to the Lord the next time. But he goes beyond jealousy. It's envy. He's uh, so jealousy can be good or bad, but envy is always evil. Okay, just remember that envy is always evil. One of the seven deadly sins. So then the Lord asked Cain, "Where is your brother Abel?" Of course, God knows, right? But this is the uh, this particular uh, author's 
way of anthropomorphizing God, giving him human qualities. Uh, Abel answers, excuse me, Cain answers, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? That's the universal question. And that's a timeless question. Even though this, this was written, you know, as one of the first events of the, of the world, it's still just as true today. Am I my brother's keeper? Think of all the implications of that question. And of course, the answer is yes. Uh, and so um, we, we see, you know, in, in the Gospels, in Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan, the answer is yes, you are your brother's keeper. Okay. So let there be no doubt about that. You might want to write Luke chapter 10, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. Um, by the way, I find it kind of amusing uh, when God asked Abel the question in verse 9. Abel answers, I don't know. Uh, kind of reminds me of my kids, you know, when they were growing up, if something bad would happen in the house, I would say, well, who did this thing? And each of them would say, I don't know. And I had two kids. So I used to joke that I'd said, well, maybe I have three kids here. I have Chrissy, I have Colleen, and I have, I don't know. Uh, because it seems like uh, I don't know is, uh, is so I think probably most parents can, uh, can relate to that. Having said that, my children were, were wonderful. They really are. But uh, okay. So then he said, uh, God says in verse 10, you know, your blood, your brother's blood cries out to me from the soil. Therefore, you shall be banned from the soil that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. If you till the soil, it shall no longer give you its produce. You shall become a restless wanderer on the earth. Notice he doesn't kill him. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. Now, Watch what he says in verse 14. Since you have now banished me, so uh, underline the word you in verse 14. Who is, who is Cain blaming for all of this? He's blaming God, right? You have banished me from the soil. Okay, uh, is that really true? Well, God didn't banish him from the soil. He just said, hey, you know, you can till it. and It's not going to grow like it did before. But he's not banished from the soil. And I must avoid your presence. That's an even, even more so. Uh, does it say anywhere in this text that we've read so far that God said, you have to avoid my presence? No, it's Cain deciding to avoid God. You know, it's just like when we sin, we don't, we want to be away from God. We don't want to acknowledge our sin. Now, once again, as with the story of Adam and Eve, do we see that uh, Cain repents? Do we see that he says, I'm sorry? Does it, do we see where he says, I'll do better next time? Or, you know, please forgive me, Lord. No, it's like, hey, you banished me, you know, and I have to avoid your presence. God never says that. He never says that to Cain. He never says that to us. You never have to avoid God's presence. God is always there for you. And I must avoid your presence. So he's, he made that up, right? 
and I must become a restless wanderer on the earth. Anyone may kill me at sight. Well, that suggests that there are other uh, people at that, at that time, at, at least. Um, 15, not so, the Lord said to him, if anyone kills Cain, Cain shall be avenged sevenfold. Seven is the number of completion, as we've seen so many times when we study the New Testament in Jew Jewish numerology. So the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone should kill him at sight. Cain then left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Okay, so God didn't say, get away from me, I never want to talk to you again. That was uh, uh, Cain's thing. So there's a lot of theology in here, right? As we said, bring your best to God, whatever that is, time, talent, treasure. And if you if you get off track, if you if you realize you're not doing your best, you can always turn back as as uh, God earned uh, urged Cain in verse uh, seven, right? He's, he's saying, "Look, you can do better next time. It's okay. I love you. You're you're my you're my pal, um, and God's never going to banish you from His presence. You may choose to banish yourself." But that's just because, uh, you know, sin tends to make us want to separate from God, not the other, not the other way around. Okay, now we are introduced to uh, descendants of Cain. We won't go into that. You can read that for yourself. But things get a little worse because one of these descendants is named in verse 23, Lamech, L-A-M-E-C-H, and he has two wives. Okay, so this is the first incident that we read about in Scripture where there is uh, polygamy, right? And this Lamech is a bad guy. He says uh, to his two wives, uh, he's quite a boaster, I have killed a man for wounding me, a boy for bruising me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then let Lamech 77-fold be avenged. Where else, by the way, do we see the number 77 in Scripture? Well, uh, Jesus, when asked, how many times should I forgive my brother who offends me? Seven times? Uh, one of the answers is no. 77 times, or said another way, you know, 70 times seven. I know that that's uh, 490 times. But anyway, okay, you get it. So Lamech is saying, I'm going to like double, or not double, but multifold. Uh, so, uh, you know, get revenge on anybody who messes with, with me. So he's a tough guy. And we are seeing, we're starting to see things getting worse. Um, Adam again had relations with his wife, and she gave birth to a son whom she called Seth. God has granted me more offspring in place of Abel, she said, because Cain slew him. To Seth, in turn, a son was born, and he named him Enosh. At that time, men began to invoke the Lord by name. Now, this Seth, why is he important? Well, when Seth enters the picture, we see uh, man begins to invoke the Lord by name. Secondly, if you look at uh, you know, if you look at the uh, genealogy of Jesus, the one in uh, Luke, uh, let me see if I can find that. Uh, it says Luke, in Luke 3.38, we're reading that, 
boring genealogy of Jesus, right? Which, uh, at first glance, might appear to be boring, but there's some interesting names in there, one of which we find in Luke 3.38, which is, you guessed it, Seth. So, you know, Jesus' genealogy in Luke goes all the way back to the very beginning, and we see that Jesus comes out of the line of Seth, that is to say, the good line, if you will. Uh, and uh, by the way, Luke's genealogy traces Jesus back all the way to Adam to show that Jesus is the Messiah for all people, not just Jews. Okay. And so let's reflect on that and go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this story of Cain and Abel. Uh, it gives us the timeless truths that we are to bring our best before you and not just what's left over. But it also lets us know that even when we don't bring you our best, you are there asking us to do better next time. Not in a fatal way are you asking us, but you're just urging us to do better. We can take that information and process it and go a good way with it and continually strive to walk more closely with you. Or we can choose to be like Cain and decide that, hey, you know, I'm just going to do what I feel like doing, either through envy, one of the seven deadly sins, or just, hey, I'm, I'm not even going to try. Thank you also, Lord, for reminding us that you're always there to welcome us back, that you don't go away from us, though we, when we sin, we're taking steps away from you. So uh, give us the grace to uh, want to walk closer to you and to repair any damage that we do when we sin to our relationship. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>